police station before, and she had not seen Emily since she was a small child with fair curly hair. What would she be like now? And what had she been doing to get herself arrested? Assault and disorderly conduct, the solicitor's secretary had said on the telephone. Emily had not been granted bail, but Isabel's intervention might make a difference. And anyway, Emily needed her, for her mother was dead and it seemed that there was no one else. There was a father somewhere, but no one had heard from him for years. After he left her, Emily's mother had gone to Spain, where she married a man who was a musician. She had lived with him until her death from an unspecified illness some years ago. Isabel had learned about this from a letter Emily sent her which stated the stark fact. Isabel had written to her at her mother's address, but had had no reply. For a while she had felt that she should try to trace Emily. Later she forgot about her, until yesterday when the telephone call sharply reminded her. Shock was her first reaction. What had Emily been doing? Surely by now she was pursuing some career, might even be married. Neither activity precluded either assault or disorderly conduct, which Isabel assumed meant in this case getting drunk and being rowdy in a public place. What could she do about it, even when she learned the details? The deed was done, and Emily had been arrested. Various reasons for saying this was not her business had entered her mind as she heard herself tell the telephone voice that she would come next day, arriving as early as she could. It was impossible to drive down that night, she stated firmly. This would have meant giving Douglas an explanation, which even now she had avoided. It would have made scant difference, said the woman on the telephone, for before she could arrive, Emily would be tucked up in her cell, and it was to be hoped asleep, in preparation for her appearance before the magistrates the next day. Time enough tomorrow, the solicitor had said. And now, tomorrow was today. I am not responsible for Emily, Isabel told herself, locking the car. I am not a relative, nor an aunt, only a godmother, because I was her mother's friend. What am I going to find, she wondered, walking through the police station doors, hesitating, seeing there were several other people waiting for attention. She took her turn behind a woman reporting a lost dog and a man who was required to produce his driving license and proof of car insurance. By the time her turn came, she was in a trance, almost forgetting the reason for her visit. Once this was established, she was led to the regions beyond the front office and into a small room. There... A few minutes later, she met Emily again. She would never have recognized her friend's daughter. Where was the attractive child with the mass of fair curls whom Isabel remembered from when the families were neighbors more than twenty years ago? Now she saw, shambling into the room, an ill-dressed, overweight young woman with a shaven head, haggard and exhausted, who could have been any age but was in fact twenty-three. What could have happened to bring her to this state? Isabel was horrified. Emily, she said, and, well, her voice trailing off, for it wasn't well at all. They asked me who I'd like informed, said Emily. Her voice was flat and slurred. I couldn't think of anyone. But you had two brothers, Isabel thought and somewhere perhaps a father, and a stepfather. Where were they? 
Well, you remembered my address, Isabel answered brusquely. What's been happening to you, Emily? A woman police officer had brought them cups of strong milky tea. Emily gulped at hers, while Isabel, trying not to notice the noisy slurping, sipped her own. The same officer had told Isabel that Emily had been arrested while demonstrating against the construction of a new road. She had been living in a tent on the site, and when ejected, had allegedly become disruptive and violent, throwing stones, and eventually hitting a security guard on the face with a sturdy stick. I had to do it, Emily said now. They took away my home. I'd lived on the site for months. I'd got friends. She swallowed and then said, They took my tent away. That's theft. But where's your real home? Isabel asked. I haven't got one. Just a tent, said Emily. But after your mother died, what happened then? Surely there had been some money. Emily shrugged. I wasn't living with her, she said. Things didn't work out. I shared a flat with people, but I had to leave. She'd written about her mother's death from Spain. Presumably she'd simply been there for the funeral. Isabel was silent. Had she really understood? Emily seemed to be saying that she had feared to lose her only home, a tent, and had aggressively defended it. Didn't you realize you were committing a criminal offense? she asked. I had a bed last night, didn't I? said Emily and she grinned, a strange, wild grin, which made Isabel's flesh creep. Where else was I to go? And what was Isabel to do now? Emily was due to appear before the magistrates that afternoon. Unless bailed, she would probably be sent to prison. That had been made quite clear to Isabel before she even met the girl. Or woman. Emily's manner and accent were those of a teenage dropout. But that was not what she was. Well, a dropout, maybe, but no teenager. What made you take up this protest? Isabel asked, and Emily launched into a rehearsed discourse about the environment, much of which made perfect sense, but it was recited almost parrot fashion. I had my friends too, you see, she added. What friends? wondered Isabel, and where were they now? None seemed to be supporting her. Perhaps they were occupying other cells in the police station. She would have to go to court and see what happened there. If Emily were to be allowed bail, she, Isabel, would have to guarantee it, and she might have to take Emily home with her. Unless the magistrates forbade her to leave the area, perhaps they would. Clutching at this possibility, Isabel made ready to attend the hearing. If he'd known of her existence... He'd have sent her presents at Christmas and on her birthday, even though he had never seen her. But no one told him she'd been born. Hadn't he a right to her? She was his daughter. He found out about her when she was four, and he came back to England. On a whim, he had returned to the village where Alice, her mother, lived with her elderly parents. He'd been sorry for her when he discovered what her situation was, she was born in her parents' middle age. Her father, starting with very little capital, had anticipated the potential of plastic containers for perishable foods and had built up a thriving business, which he had sold soon after his sixtieth birthday, making a small fortune. After this, 
he had undertaken the chairmanship of another company. His wife, who had once been his secretary, had done his paperwork at home and other tasks arising from charities they supported. As they grew older, and Alice finished her education at Northtown High School, they saw no need for her to go to university, but sent her to a secretarial college, requiring her to live at home and take care of them. She had dutifully complied while working in a museum, mainly in the stacks, maintaining and repairing artefacts and pictures kept in store. He had met her in a pub one evening. Alice often went there seeking social contact, he discovered. She'd been an easy conquest. At the time, he was not long out of prison, unemployed and not looking very hard for work. He'd picked her up. She was sitting at a tiny table on her own, drinking vodka. Of course, it didn't smell on the breath. Her parents mustn't know she drank. After he had met her on several consecutive evenings in the pub, he'd learned that Alice's father wanted some decorating and repair work done in the house, and he had volunteered for it. An appointment was made for him to estimate, and when he met her parents, he implied that he could oblige them, as he was waiting to go abroad to a new position. He had no ties or other obligations. The size of the rather ugly Victorian house was a surprise. There was money here, lots of it, and the unmarried daughter was the only heir. He made a good job of redecorating the high-ceilinged rooms. He had done plenty of casual work in his wavering career, and the task was well within his powers. He told Alice that he had sold up everything and was living in lodgings, and it was not many...